Good morning. I'd like to welcome all of you, any visitors that are with us today, and also to those listening on radio, to our worship service at First Church this morning. I have several announcements before we start our service. Immediately following this worship service this morning, there will be a five-minute congregational meeting to accept the nominations for officers for the year 2018. Nominations will also be accepted from the floor. Following the congregational meeting, everyone is invited to the ministry center for a baby reception for Allie, Pastor Joel, and Josephine as they prepare to welcome a little boy into their family. Revive Ohio, Oglaze County will be in New Noxo doing outreach work on January 12th and 13th. You can see details and times in the bulletin. Everyone is encouraged to come and participate. This Thursday, January 11th at 6.30 p.m., we will begin taking down Christmas decorations. So if you are able, please come and give us some help. And anybody interested in working in the nursery this year, there is a nursery volunteer sheet for 2018 sitting up here on one of the pews someplace. And if anybody is able to help, we'd sure like to see you sign up for that. At this time, Pastor Joel would like to come forward and talk to us about Wonderful Wednesdays, which will be starting in February. Thanks, Jack. Believe it or not, Lent is coming up very quickly. We have an early Easter this year, and uh, which also means that Wonderful Wednesday is coming up very quickly as well. Uh, we are going to have a planning meeting for Wonderful Wednesday or Wonderful Wednesdays this Wednesday, January 10th. We're going to meet at 7:30 uh, down in the social room, which is immediately following the gathering. Uh, we encourage anyone who is able and willing to, to help and, and not just the planning, but is, is willing to help volunteer, you know, be a part of Wonderful Wednesday. Uh, if you can be at that meeting, we're going to set some, some ideas and set some things in motion so that we can begin planning and preparing for that ministry. Uh, I know this has been something we've been doing for several years, but I just want to remind us all what, what we do on Wonderful Wednesdays. Um, we, the, starting the Wednesday after Ash Wednesday and going through Lent, uh, we have an after-school program here at the church uh, for our, our kids in our community as well as in our church. We get a very good turnout from uh, the New Knoxville schools. They actually come directly from school over here and uh, are able to participate in this program. We offer games and snacks. Um, as well as homework help and, and an ch- opportunity to, to praise and worship. Um, as, and then we conclude the night inviting all the families to come and join us for dinner in the ministry center, a free meal. Um, so we encourage you all to be a part of that. Uh, if there's any way that you'd like to learn more or, or learn how you can help, Wednesday night would be a great time to join us, 7.30 p.m. in the ministry center. Um, or excuse me, in the, in the social room. I also want to take this opportunity once again to, to invite you uh, two weeks from today to our annual meeting. Uh, we're doing things a little differently this year. Uh, if you have seen the announcements in the bulletin as well as a newsletter, we're going to be meeting immediately following the service over in the ministry center. Uh, we're going to have a, a breakfast buffet provided uh, for you to, to join us, uh, have something to eat, share a meal together as we have our annual meeting. So we'll cover the, the usual meeting stuff, but as well as a, as a presentation from the Spiritual Council and, and Tori and I um, to, to talk about the vision and mission of our church going forward into the new year. So I really think it's, a, it's an important uh, meeting, and I hope you all can take the time that day to be a part of it. If nothing else, come join us for breakfast. That'll be a good incentive to come and, and be a part of that. So uh, hope to, well, I'll see you before then, but I'll definitely see you here in a couple weeks at the annual meeting. Thank you, Pastor Joel. And now to start our worship service this morning, would you please stand and join me in our call to worship? This morning it is taken from Psalm 145, verses 1 through 9. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion. 
compassion on all he has made. Please remain standing for opening hymn number eight. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. As the children come forward for the children's chat with Mrs. Lammers, priests take a moment and greet one another. Good morning. morning. Guess what, girls? I think the boys heard our challenge from last week. The last two weeks, there were no boys at children's chat. The boys have come. We have more boys than girls this week. Awesome, awesome. So, last week we talked about prayer. What did I bring with me and cut in half yesterday? An apple, right. And what did we see inside that apple? A star. A star, right? And we said how that apple had a core, right? And we have a core. We have a spiritual core. And that God hears us. Whenever we speak to him, well, we are going to start talking about the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Do you know what prayer that is? What prayer did Jesus teach the disciples to pray? What prayer is? Nope. Close. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, it starts out, Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Okay, that's all we're going to go to today. Okay? Our Father. This, the, uh, the, Jesus' followers went to him and said, Hey, we want to pray. 
But how do we pray? And so this is the prayer that Jesus taught them. And he said, start out by saying, our father. So who are we talking to when we say our father? God. Right. Because God is our heavenly father. Now, I have a question. How many of you, when you're at home, you have something really exciting to tell mom and or dad, but they're busy? And, and maybe you do this. Do you ever do that? Does it drive your mom or dad crazy? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's the fun part? Well. My mom will giggle if I do that. Well. So, sometimes we have something so exciting that we want to share, but our earthly parents are too busy. But guess who's always there to listen? God. Our Father, our Heavenly Father. God is always there. He loves it when we want to share things with Him. Okay? And our Father, who art in heaven. That means who lives in heaven. God is in heaven, right? Yeah. Hallowed be thy name. What? In the world, does that hallowed mean? What does that word mean? Yeah, I think it means holy. Holy is your name. So when we pray to God, like holy moly, yeah, kind (laughs) of. So, Sometimes threes and fours just can have the most insight of anybody. That's why I love this. So when we are praying, God is listening no matter where we're at. And that's what we also talked about last week, that no matter where we're at, we can pray. So if you don't already know the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, then you need to work with mom and dad at home. To learn that so that as we go through these next couple of weeks, that you can start to learn what do those words really mean? Because sometimes we just say them to say them and we don't really pay attention to what they mean. Okay, so my challenge for you guys is if you don't already know the Lord's Prayer, you work on that at home with mom and dad. If you already know it, then you are ahead of the game. Yep. All right, let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these children and their eagerness to learn about you. Please be with them. Help them to show others how much you love each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Killed in the last week in Nangarhar province in Afghanistan, Sergeant First Class Mikhail Golan, 34, from Fort Lee, New Jersey. From time to time it's been asked, why do we do this? Why do we remember our soldiers, particularly those who have been killed in our service? Well, first of all, I think it's important for the families and friends of those who have lost members of their family that we share in total strangers' mourning. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are mourned, for they will be comforted. So that's the first reason. Besides that, it is to remind us that wars are continuously going on throughout the world, and that in this particular time, all of our forces are volunteer. Also to remind us that at least 200,000 U.S. servicemen are serving in as many as 177 countries this morning as we speak outside of the United States. For example, in Europe, somewhere around 60,000. In the Pacific East Asia area, perhaps as many as 68,000. North Africa and West Asia, 39,000. Sub-Saharan Africa, 4,900. Afghanistan, 13,000, and other unspecified areas, at least 17,000. And also, finally, to remind us 
that the American military forces, those serving and those who have served and those who have died in our service, come from all ethnic groups, from all races, from all genders, from all religions, from all immigrant statuses, and from all backgrounds. They enlist from every state and territory of the United States, reflecting the great diversity of our nation, which is one of its greatest strengths. Thank you, Jay. It's always good to be reminded uh, why, we, why we take the time during the service to do that. It is a very important thing and something that we, uh, we hope that it's not just a, a quick reminder or a quick add into the service, but we hope that it's something that you continue to, to pray for and continue to lift up to our Father in heaven uh, throughout the week as well, praying for not only members of our own community who are in the service, but praying for those around our country and around this world who are who are putting themselves in harm's way for, on our behalf. And, and uh, we should be praying for, to God for their safety, that peace would reign uh, in this world, um, and that for those who have given their lives, that, that they would find, their families would find comfort uh, in the Lord and comfort uh, during a very difficult time. Uh, so with that in mind, let us go to, to our Father in prayer this morning. Father, we are so grateful, Lord, um, to live in this country, Lord, uh, we are so grateful to to be in a place where we can gather and worship you and and, and relative safety and peace. And so we pray, Lord, um, for those who have who have in part made that possible. For those who have who have voluntarily uh, stepped up in order to to serve in the military and to to serve in times of war as well as times of peace. Uh, we pray, Lord, uh, that you would be their their peace. You would be their comfort. Um, you would be their strength at this time, uh, wherever they may find themselves stationed, whether it's here or abroad. And we, we thank you for their willingness to put themselves in harm's way on our behalf. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that through, um, through their sacrifice we have received many freedoms. And we thank you, Lord, for their continued, uh, continued sacrifice in order to, to continue to ensure those things today. We, all, we ultimately pray, Lord, that you would uh, bring peace on this earth so that uh, 200,000 soldiers don't have to be stationed around this world. Uh, but, Lord, we recognize the reality of war and pray that you, would, uh, that you would make peace in our time and that you would bring each and every service member home safely uh, when that time comes. Uh, we, we pray for other concerns as well, Lord. We know that there's so much going on in this community and in our own lives, and, and we all carry our own unique burdens and unique, um, unique concerns, Lord. And so we lift them up to you. We pray, Lord, to our Father who is in heaven. We know that you are, you are God who, who loves and, and cares for his children and his creation. And you are a God who is, who is all-powerful all and who has created and sustained this universe and is able to meet our needs. And so, Lord, we come to you in full knowledge of that and, and praise your name for all that you are and all that you have done for us. And we remember these things this morning. And as we remember those ways that you've met us and met our needs, we ask that you continue to do so in the future. We thank you for all these things in Christ's name. Amen. This time uh, we invite uh, the, those who are helping with the offering to come forward. Uh, the offering today goes to support the general fund, and the choir will be, will be singing Born to be the Bread.
We hear today's scripture, which focuses on the sermon series, Praying Like Jesus. The familiar words come from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus says, This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please continue standing and singing in your hymnal number 262, Holy, Holy, Holy. be seated. Father, I pray that as we open your word together, as we as we continue to dive into what prayer is all about and how we can learn to pray as you taught us to pray, I pray that you would guide our thoughts, focus our attention on you this morning. I pray our hearts and our minds would be open to what you have to say and that you would give me the words to speak this morning. In Christ, we pray all these things. Amen. So I don't know about you, but when I go to the grocery store, I love to just have my list, right? And I just go in, I get what I need, I don't waste any other time, and I just, I just go in and I get out with what I need and then I'm done. Right? There's no lingering involved, there's no uh, lollygagging around the store and just wandering around. Um, I just like to get in, get what I need, and go. Uh, how often do we think of our prayer life in the same way? Right? We, have our, we have our list of needs, we have 
we have our requests, we have what we think we need and what we think we want from, our, from God, and we go into prayer and we say, all right, God, here, do this for me, do that for me, um, answer this prayer the way I want it to be answered, and then as soon as we get through our list, we say, all right, amen, and we go about our way. We often approach prayer in the same way that I approach grocery shopping and, and just having our list and just, just going for it and not wasting any other time. Uh, sometimes when Allie and I go, that's one of the things we like to do grocery shopping together if possible because it's a little bit of a, an escape from, from work or home. You know, we can just go and just spend that time together. Uh, and when we do that, then we like to linger a little bit more, right? We like to take our time. We, we wander around, especially if she finds a target somewhere. Then we're, then we're there for a long time. Uh, but there's a difference between going in with my list and just getting my five items that I need and leaving and just lingering and spending time in the grocery store, as strange as that may sound. Um, the difference is, is, is that, that time just spent together, whether it's Allie and I in the grocery store or in prayer, us spending time with God, uh, it's an important part of our prayer life. It's, it's, it's what makes the difference between just having our requests, having our, list of, our grocery list of items, and actually lingering and spending time there. The focus is the, the relationship that is developed and that is built. Um, and so, so as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, as, 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 he, as he explained, gave them the Lord's Prayer, and as we're going to dig in here um, in just a moment uh, with, the, with the first part of that, we're going to see that prayer is so much more than just our laundry list or our grocery list of items. Uh, in fact, we won't, we'll, we'll notice here in a couple weeks that our requests are, are, are asking for our daily bread and to be delivered from evil don't come until, until halfway through the prayer. The first part is focused not on ourselves, but on God. And that's an important thing for us to notice. As we, as we learn how to pray, as we talk about what, in essence, prayer is all about, it begins with our focus on Him and not ourselves. In fact, uh, if you um, have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 6, where the Lord's Prayer, or the common, commonly recited version of the Lord's Prayer, is there, you'll notice that, that it begins with, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And, and uh, in most Bible translations, it doesn't have that ending part that we're so familiar with. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In most Bibles, that's, that's simply a footnote there. But yet it's become part of our, our normal way of praying uh, the Lord's Prayer. And I think it's important, while, while it may not be in the Scriptures, while it may be relegated to a footnote in the Scriptures, it's an important part of, of the prayer itself, an important um, lesson in, in what and how to pray. You see, prayer should begin and end with our focus on Him. Prayer should begin and end with our focus on God and not ourselves. They're like bookends that hold the prayer together. See, so often we, we focus our attention on ourselves, and, and especially when we're facing a difficulty, our, our attention is, is fully on that problem or that hardship that we're facing. And what Jesus is teaching us here is we, as we approach the Lord in prayer, our focus should not be on ourselves or not be on our problems. Our focus should be on God. And in doing so, we acknowledge God's character, His holiness, His compassion, His power, His grace, His authority. When those things become the focus, it changes and it shapes the way that we pray. And so we begin this prayer by focusing on Him and not ourselves. Prayer changes things not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, but because of who God is. That's why prayer makes a difference. That's why prayer is so important. It's not about, it's not about what we can do or how good we are. You know, if we were to be honest with ourselves about our prayer life, we may ask, you know, some of us may be thinking, including myself at times, why would God answer my prayer, Right? Does God really care? Does he really, is he really concerned with these things? Or why, you know, am I really good enough? Have I lived a good enough life to, to, to get God's attention in order for him to answer our prayer? You see, when we begin with our attention on him, when we remind ourselves who God is, that he is our father who is in heaven and, and his name is holy, when we start with that, it reminds us that prayer is powerful because of who, we, who he is, not because of who we are. It, it, again, helps us to focus our attention on Him and reminds us that God is able and He is willing to answer our prayers according to His will. And so as we begin our, our deep dive here into this, this 
passage, we're going to be focusing on the Lord's Prayer itself over the next several weeks. And we're going to be hearing these words over and over again, words that are very familiar to us. I mentioned last week, you know, we, we recite the Lord's Prayer every week. We, it's something that almost becomes second nature to us. But, but I want to slow down and actually look at what the prayer, what Jesus is, is teaching us through this prayer. And what we can learn, not only about prayer itself, but also about, about God and, and why prayer is such an important thing. And so we're going to be looking at it one line at a time, and in and, and, and some instances we're going to be really focusing on a word. And so um, the point here is not to, not to get lost in the details, but to learn something about prayer and learn something about God by focusing in on, on this very familiar passage. So today we're going to be looking at this first phrase, Our Father who is in heaven, uh, hallowed be your name. The first thing that we notice here is that God is, is Jesus invites us to acknowledge God as Father. Now that uh, is not a completely unheard of uh, way of understanding God. If you were to look back at the Old Testament, uh, God is referred to, is compared to a loving parent or loving father uh, uh, several times, especially in the prophets. Uh, people like Hosea and, and Isaiah, they, they, they look at God as a father who, who has compassion and love for his child Israel, for God's people. And so referring to or understanding God as Father is not something new or unheard of, but it was rarely, if ever, used as a way to address God in prayer. See, that's the difference here. That's the the new thing that Jesus is introducing us to and inviting us to be a part of, is knowing and and, and actually conversing with God as as our Heavenly Father. If you were to look at prayers in the Old Testament, whether it's Solomon or David, more often, uh, most often, God is referred to as this, as this mighty God, this transcendent being, this holy and righteous and, and completely other kind of God. Very rarely, if ever, do people approach God as, as intimate as, as a father. So Jesus is teaching us something new here. He's inviting us to know God in a new and, and much more intimate way. You see, it was, made all, it was all made possible through Jesus himself. Through his death, he broke down the barrier that separated us from God. Uh, there's this reference in Matthew chapter 27 during the crucifixion scene that in the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit, in the moment that Jesus died on the cross, it says that the veil, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Seems like a very strange reference to put in in the middle of this very dramatic, very, very climatic scene in the Gospels. But it's, an, it's there for a reason. It's important because the curtain is what separated the most holy place from the rest of the temple. And nobody was ever allowed to go into that most holy place. It was the inner room in the temple. And there was this very thick curtain that separated that very center room from everything else. And only one person was ever allowed to go in there on one day, a very special day of the year. The high priest would enter in there on, on the Day of Atonement and, and, and through the sacrifice would, would atone for the sins of, of the people. It was only that one day, only that one person who was allowed to go into the most holy place because that's where, where Israel, that's where God's people uh, understood God's presence to be. And so with Jesus' death, that temple curtain was torn in two. It was there to symbolize that, that that separation, that barrier that had had kept God's people from God's very presence was no longer necessary because of what Christ had done. His death had atoned for our sins once and for all, and there was no longer that separation that was there. And so now, what does that mean for us in prayer? It means that we have direct access to God. We no longer have to go through a priest or, a, or any other sort of mediator. But through Jesus, we have direct access to the Lord. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man, Jesus Christ. He is now the key to prayer. It's through Him that we can know God as Father and that barrier is torn down. We can know Him as Father because we ourselves have been adopted into His family. John chapter 1, verse 12, in describing the Word becoming flesh. I know we've, we've looked at this passage a couple times recently with Christmas, uh, having, having just celebrated Christmas. But there's an important part here. It says, Yet to all who did receive Him, speaking of Jesus, To those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Gave them the right to become children of God. Through Jesus, we can be a a part of God's family and know God as Father. And so what does understanding God as Father mean for us? How does this impact our prayer life? 
Well, if God is our Father, it means that God is compassionate. Our God is not a distant, cold, or uncaring God. He knows and cares about His children. The Bible says that God knows the number of our days. Job chapter 14, verse 5. He knows the number of hairs on our head. That's in Luke 12, verse 7. And He knit us together in the womb. Psalm 139:15. Jesus later on in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 teaches us that, that God cares for creation in general. So how much more will He care for us, His children who have been made in His image? God is, the, is a caring and compassionate Father. And because of that, we know that He cares about us. So God is compassionate, but it also means that God is accessible. He's accessible as, as, a par- as our parents are to us. God is even, is even more accessible than that. One of the greatest inventions that has ever been made is a video monitor for your child's room. Um, we've had this thing since Josephine was born. She's grown up uh, with this monitor. We can see her, we can hear her, and actually we can even speak to her through the monitor. We don't even have to go up to the room anymore. We can just press the button and speak to her. And Josephine knows from, from the time she was able to talk, she knows that if she's laying in her bed, all she has to do is just say something, and we as her parents can hear her and we can respond to her. In fact, over this Christmas break when we went to visit Allie's family in Canton, we forgot to bring the monitor with us, and so we didn't have it for a week. And we could hear her trying to talk to us like, like the monitor was there. She didn't realize, she didn't understand that because the camera wasn't there, she couldn't talk to us like normal. See, that's what prayer is like. That's the kind of access that we have to the Father through prayer. Um, he's not some distant, faraway God. We can simply talk to Him. We can, we can pray to Him, and He hears us. And he will respond just as we are able to respond to Josephine. It also means that we can have a childlike trust. We can bring any issue to God, whether it's big or small, because we know he cares. God is not bothered or annoyed by our requests. He desires that we trust him and bring our requests to him. Again, when Josephine was was small and unable to talk, and I'm sure I'll have very similar experiences here in the matter of the next few weeks and months, with baby brother, uh, she could she would be crying and I'd be trying to comfort her and I would just say to her like just tell me what you need right just if you could just tell me what do you need food do you need sleep do you need a clean diaper like just tell me and I'll fix the problem for you right but she was unable to do so I feel like God is is this looks at us the same way sometimes we have this access to him through prayer and he's looking at us he's like just just come to me just tell me what you need tell me your problem i want to meet your needs i want to to be able to answer your prayers according to my will but we don't ever take the time to actually tell him right we don't we don't go to the father like we should in prayer and so since god is father we can pray with confidence that he listens to our prayers both great and small Not only is God our Father, but He is our our Father in heaven. God is uh, not just the loving and compassionate Father. He's also the all-powerful creator of the universe. We must hold these two realities in tension as we think about prayer. God's not just the loving Father. It's not enough for Him to be just the loving Father if He's unable to answer our prayers. But it's also not enough for God to be in heaven if He is an uncaring and unwilling God, and uncaring and unwilling to answer our prayers. Prayer is powerful because God is both loving and powerful. And he's able to meet our needs according to his power and his will. Heaven speaks of God's transcendence. He's not confined to a certain place or time. God is beyond the limits of this world. And so as creator and sustainer of this universe, he has all the resources of power at his disposal. There is nothing too big, nothing too great that God can't answer or can't, can't um, do according to his will. Jeremiah 32, verse 27, he says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too difficult for me? I think we sometimes forget that. We have that access to the creator of the universe through prayer. And that there is nothing too big that he can't handle and nothing too small that he doesn't care about. Heaven also reminds us that God has a bigger perspective. We are often short-sighted and we get upset with God because he doesn't answer prayers according to our will or the way we expect them to be answered. We think that we know what's best. But reminding ourselves that God is not just our Father, but our Heavenly Father reminds us that, that he knows what we need even if we don't. He's able to see beyond our limited perspective and he knows what's good for us 
even if we can't see it. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 9 through 11, Isaiah says this, As the heavens are higher above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So God is, God sees that bigger perspective, but he's also able to answer our prayers according to his will. His will will not fail and it will not return to him. His word will not return to him void. So since God is in heaven, we can pray with confidence that he is able to meet our needs according to his will. He is able to answer our prayers. We also, so he's our father in heaven, but he's also our father. And this is the part that we often skip over. This prayer is not just for me, it's for all of us. Throughout the prayer, it's, it's, the pronouns are in plural uh, form. It's our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The whole perspective is from, from a plural perspective. It's not just my prayer, but it's our prayer together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Think about how you typically pray. We pray for the stuff that impacts us, right? We pray for the things that, that are meaningful to us. Connie, in a recent office staff meeting, we were talking about prayer, and she, she brought up this quote that she had heard recently. If God answered every single one of your prayers from the last month, would, anybody have a, would it impact anybody beside you? I think that's a, that's a, that was a hard question, right? Do we really pray for things that, that are important to other people? Do we pray for things beyond ourselves or would we just focus on us? We need to pray with others and pray for others. Prayer is personal, but it's not meant to be private. And we see that um, throughout the New Testament, especially in the writings of Paul. He's always asking, he's always praying for these other people, for these churches. And he's always asking them to pray for him and for others in return. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says, First of all then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, not just for you, not just for me, not just for your family, but for everyone. We're called to pray for the good of, of the world, for the good of creation, and for God's will to be done in all places. And so since God is our Heavenly Father, not just my Heavenly Father, we can pray with confidence that He cares about the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ and that we should care about those needs as well. Finally, we see that God, we are praying to our Father in Heaven and we ask that His name would be hallowed. In prayer, we seek to honor God and not ourselves. To hallow something is to make it holy. The end result of our prayer, therefore, should be to glorify God. Our prayer and what we pray for should magnify His name and not our own. As John the Baptist said during his ministry, as Jesus arrived on the scene, he turned to his disciples and said, He must increase, I must decrease. So that's the real focus of prayer is, is, is magnifying God and focusing on Him and, and who He is. And when we do that, we realize that we can step to the side ourselves. And hallowing God's name, making it holy, means that we also pray according to His will. God is glorified when His will is accomplished. And we'll talk about this some more again next week. Uh, prayer, pray excuse me, that His purpose and will be accomplished through us. You know, we can ask, how God, how, ask God to help us be the answer to His prayer, our prayers. And so since God is holy, we pray with confidence for things that honor and glorify Him according to His will. See, when we learn to pray, when we, our focus is on Him and not ourselves, it changes the way we pray. Our needs and our wants and requests are put into a proper perspective. Some requests become unnecessary. We realize that our motives and the reason for praying is not in line with God's will, and so, so we realize that we shouldn't be praying for those things. They become unimportant. The things that, that seem so important don't, aren't important anymore. As our focus is on God, some requests change. We learn to seek and honor God and seek His will and not our own. And so what we pray for changes in order to be more in line with His will and who He is. 
and then some requests are intensified. Through prayer and through focus on Him, uh, we understand that we, we have the knowledge that God hears and answers our prayers. We understand that He's a compassionate, all-powerful Father who is able to meet our needs. And so those requests that are in line with His will, those requests that do honor and glorify Him, we become more intense in those prayers. We begin to pray for them more often and with, with more urgency. And so when we begin to understand who God is and, and begin with prayer, with our focus and our attention in Him, it puts all of those other things in perspective and helps us to, to focus on Him and not just our problems. And that's an important thing for us to do as we learn how to pray like Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank You that You are God. Uh, thank You that You are a compassionate, loving Father who is able to meet our needs. And I pray that as we as we grow into prayer, as we learn to pray like, like Jesus taught us to pray, help our focus and our attention to begin and to end with you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we prepare our hearts for communion, I invite you to stand and sing the first verse of number 66, To God Be the Glory. And you may be seated. As we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, let's, let's continue to keep our focus on God. Continue to remember and, and proclaim the ways that He has met our needs through Christ. And no greater need was, there is no greater need than our, our need to, for forgiveness, our need to be restored in our relationship with God. And that's exactly what Christ has done for us on the cross. Through His death, and through His resurrection, uh, we have access to God once again. We are, we are forgiven, we are restored, we are made new. And that is all because of what He has done for us, not anything that we have earned or deserved for ourselves. And so God asks simply that we are honest with Him. We come to Him in humility and, and, and acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that we do need Him, and that we receive by faith the forgiveness that He has made available through Christ. So as we pray here in just a moment, we'll, we'll thank God for all that He has done for us through Christ and at the same time acknowledge, take a moment to acknowledge that we have fallen short. We are sinners in need of a Savior and that we receive through faith what Christ has done for us on the cross. Let's, let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for all that You've done for us. We're grateful that You, are, that you sent Your Son to die on the cross for our sins, that, that through His sacrifice we are redeemed, we are made new, and that our sins are forgiven so that we can once again have, have that relationship with you. We can be called sons and daughters of God. And so we acknowledge, Lord, that we have fallen short. We acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And I pray that as we, as we take communion this morning, you would, you would bring to mind those ways that we've fallen short. Not to condemn us, Lord, but so that we can repent and turn from those things. And receive your grace and your mercy anew and be reminded of, of all that we have through Christ. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. We have this great promise in Scripture that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness.
Paul wrote that he has received from the Lord what he also passed on to us, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to partake in this holy sacrament. of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you and for all. Feed on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, a new covenant that was made in his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this reminder this morning of the sacrifice that your son made on the cross for us. I pray that you would instill in us the desire to know you and love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves, And may your spirit empower and equip us to live those, that kind of life. pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a quick reminder that after this service, we'll begin shortly with our, with our short congregational meeting. We encourage you, if you're members, uh, or if you just like those kinds of things, to stick around and be a part of that. Uh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.